Welcome to the fourth Sunday of Advent. Today we are going to look at seven days in the fourth Sunday of Advent. Now you might be wondering what in the world is the fourth Sunday of Advent? Let me explain. In the liturgical calendar, which several churches use, several denominations use, Roman Catholics, the Lutherans, the Anglicans, Episcopalians, Orthodox, we have a liturgical calendar that we share. And the liturgical calendar revolves around the beginning of Advent. I've shared this with you in the first, second, and third Sundays and weeks of Advent. And that is present based on Christmas Day. Now, Christmas Day, as you know, is an immovable feast. It is always on December 25th. And then we back up from there to look at four weeks prior to that, the first, second, third, and fourth week of Advent. And now we are in the last week, which means that at the end of this week, we will be celebrating on Saturday, for those of you that have your calendars, Christmas Day. So many people will be experiencing Christmas Eve this week at the end of the week. And I will be sharing with you the lectionary readings for prior to Christmas Eve and on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Now these are exciting readings to uh, prepare for because we are waiting for the coming of Jesus. We're waiting for his birth. We are anticipating this extraordinary child to come into the world. We're not sure where it's going to be. We think it's going to be in Bethlehem. Not everybody knows that or believes that. And the prophets do. Micah does. Micah 5 too. But as we prepare, we want to get our hearts and minds ready for uh, the coming of Jesus Christ. Now, if you look at week of fourth advent, we've got a very eclectic group of scriptures. We have Genesis, Zephaniah, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, Baruch, and Isaiah. Now, Baruch is an apocrypha book. It is not in the original Old Testament. There are 39 books in the Old Testament and 27 in the New. And Baruch is part of the Apocrypha. So I'm not going to go over the Apocrypha. Remember in this series, I'm staying away from the Apocrypha and going with the uh, scriptures in the Old and New Testament. When you look at the second scripture, we're looking at Titus, which is used uh, in uh, the Christmas Eve services and Christmas Day services, Galatians, and finally Philippians. And from, for the week of fourth Advent, You'll notice the famous John chapter 3, 16 to 21 text. And you can see this on the posting that we have for you, what the texts are for each day. But we have Luke chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 1, which talks about the birth of Jesus Christ and prepares us for the birth of Jesus Christ. Luke 1 and 2 are those two great chapters that Luke has given us to talk about Christ and his birth. We call that an infancy narrative. Luke has an infancy narrative, Mark does not, John does not, and Matthew does. That's why Matthew's at the bottom, chapter 1, 18 to 25. Now, what should be my emphasis for this coming week? Prayer, preparation, reading, listening to God, waiting for the coming of the Lord, reading the scriptures faithfully, let them speak to your heart and your mind as you prepare for the coming of Jesus in the fourth Sunday of Advent. It's a beautiful week, and I hope you enjoy the scriptures. I'm going to briefly go over them with you so they give you kind of an idea 
of what they mean, but then I hope and pray that you'll have a wonderful Advent, and of course, Merry Christmas to all of you, and may the Lord abundantly bless you this Christmas season. Well, we begin with Genesis 3, 8 to 15, and that is about the curse. This is about um, the betrayal in Genesis chapter 3 uh, with Adam and Eve and the serpent. And the serpent deceives them, and sin enters the world, the great Romans 5 passage. And in uh, chapter 3, 8 to 15, we have the cursings that you see there. Now, why is it so important for a Messiah to come? To save us from the curse, to save us from the judgment of God based on our sin and sinfulness against the Lord. So it all starts in Genesis 3, folks, all in Genesis 3. So we start there. In Zephaniah 3, 14 to 20, uh, that's a beautiful scripture about the love of God for us. Zephaniah is a minor prophet, so you would turn right to Zephaniah chapter 3, 14 to 20. Sing, O daughter of Zion, verse 14, shout aloud, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. See, that's great news after you read chapter 3 of Genesis. The Lord has forgiven us. The Lord, the King of Israel, verse 15, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. Verse 17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. So there's restoration from the Lord based on our sinfulness in chapter 3. So he's doing a great thing for us. He's going to send the Messiah to us to save us from our sins. 1 Samuel chapter 2, 1 through 10. Let's go back to the left. 1 Samuel is one of those earlier books, chapter 2. And we see the prayer of Hannah. Now, who is Hannah? Hannah is Samuel's mother. She is a very godly woman. She prays for a son. God gives her a son. And in chapter 2, she is praising the Lord. Very beautiful. And she's thanking God. You might want to read the first chapter in order to familiarize yourself with Samuel and Hannah's prayer to God. But it's a beautiful miracle, and Hannah is thankful. Reminds me very much of the Magnificat with Mary that we'll look at a little bit later in Luke chapter 1. 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7 is the promise to David. This is the promise of the Messiah, 2 Samuel chapter 7, 18 to 29. And you see in the beginning of that chapter the beautiful promise that God has in raising up a Savior from the house of David. Of course, Jesus is from the house of David because his parents are. And then we have his prayer where he is very grateful for that. Look at verse 22. How great you are, O sovereign Lord. There was no one like you and there's no God but you as you have heard as we have heard with our own ears. Verse 24, you have established your people Israel as your very own forever, and you, O Lord, have become their God. So by the mercy and grace of God, based on the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3, God restores us to him by sending the Messiah. So the advent, the coming of Jesus into the world is a spectacularly important event in world history because God is going to be clothed in human flesh and save us from our sin. Now remember, Jesus is pre-existent. So he exists before his birth in his pre-incarnate state. Jesus is eternal. 
in Colossians 1. And he uh, now becomes incarnate, takes on flesh. And of course, you know the rest of his life. This is where we spend a lot of our time in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels going over that. I will move right to Isaiah 59. Isaiah, as you know, is a very long prophet, 66 books. Truth is nowhere to be found, and whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. Verse 15, the Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw there was no one that, and he was appalled that there was no one to intercede. See, someone needs to intercede for us. Somebody needs to save us. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot justify ourselves. We cannot merit the righteousness of God. We cannot gain rewards from God without his intervention. So the prophets make that very clear in the Old Testament. Then Jesus comes along in the New, beginning with Luke chapter 1, which we'll look at in a minute, where the coming of the Messiah is present. So what you want to do during Advent, particularly around the Christmas time, is you want to juxtapose the scriptures about Christ in the Old Testament with the scriptures in the New Testament that talk about Jesus being the incarnate one and the one that's going to come and save us. He's going to be the Messiah. Okay? It's very important to put those together and to figure out how that works. Let's go to Revelation 12, 1 through 10. The woman and the dragon. This is, the, this is a very serious judgment. Okay? And there was a war in heaven, verse 7. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Now, God is going to save us from this extraordinarily powerful person. He's a supernatural being called Satan. He is the devil, and he has tremendous power to do evil against us. He is going to be destroyed by God. He's going to be hurled to the earth and his angels with him, and there will be a judgment in chapter 20 of Revelation, by the way, where he is finally put into his place. Here's the great verse in verse 11 of chapter 12. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So the power of the lamb, the lamb being Jesus, Revelation 19, a lamb as if it were slain. The power of the lamb is such that he is the one that saves us from our sins. Now, the book of Titus is a book that Paul wrote, and he's covering chapter 1, chapter 2, and then we're going to look at Galatians chapter 3 and Philippians chapter 2. Now, what I love about Titus, it's short. It's written to a person named Titus. It's a beautiful text during the uh, Advent Christmas season. As I said earlier, we use these scriptures uh, when we have Christmas Eve services. Uh, and, and so I would commend it to your reading. The two texts that I'm familiar with are Titus chapter 2, 11 through 14. The grace of God, this is for Christmas, that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Look at verse 14. It's talking about Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. So Jesus has come to save us. It begins with the incarnation. It begins in Bethlehem with his birth. 
Look at chapter 2, verse 4. In fact, chapter 3, verse 4. Chapter 3, verse 4. When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. By the mercy of God, we are saved. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. There's the Savior of the world. So that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. So by the grace of God, we are saved. By the grace of God, we are justified. We are heirs. We have the hope of eternal life. And so what's in store for those that put their faith and hope and trust in the Messiah is significant. And Paul tells us about that in Titus. He also, in Galatians chapter 3, talks about the importance of the law in 15 to 22. And then in chapter 3, 23 to 4, 7, here's the key verse. And I hope you enjoy reading these verses. When the time had fully come, the time was right. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, verse five, 6, God sent the spirit of his son into our heart, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave. This is a promise of God for those who put their trust in him. You are no longer a slave but a son, and since you are a son, God has made you an heir. So God sent Jesus at the right time. Jesus was born of a woman, Mary, as we'll see in chapter 1 of Luke and 2, and he is going to redeem us and give us the full rights of sons. Now, in order for that to happen, he had to be born. This is why Christmas Eve, Christmas Day are so, such important feasts. Now, the reason Easter is so important is he needed to die for our sins, but you can't have him die for our sins unless he's born. Why Christmas is a beautiful season. And then finally, in Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 11, we have that famous passage where Jesus is glorified by God based on his obedience, made himself nothing, verse 7, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, became obedient to death, death on a cross, and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So what you see in these scriptures in Advent, we're all over the place. We're in 1 Samuel. We are in Zephaniah. We are in Genesis. We are in Isaiah. Then we go to Revelation. We spend some time in Titus. We spend some time in Galatians and a little bit of time in Philippians. I hope you enjoy all these texts. Of course, in John 3, 16 to 21, we have God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So we pray that all of you would accept the Lord as Savior and follow him. And in the meantime, may God bless you this Christmas season and bless you with these fabulous readings. Now, when you look at Luke chapter 1, it's divided in several sections, and you'll see that on your listing of the scriptures for the week. You have Luke chapter 1, 1 to 25, with the baptism, the birth, I'm sorry, the birth of John the Baptist foretold, with his father Zechariah and his mother Elizabeth. In the next scriptures, is one of my favorite sections, 1, 26 to 38, you have Mary being introduced to Gabriel, and Mary is going, has found favor with God, has found favor with God in verse 30, and he says in verse 31, you will be with child and give birth to a son, 
and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Remember, we looked at David in 2 Samuel 7. He will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. This is who is going to be born, this extraordinary person. After that scripture, we have Mary visiting Elizabeth and the baby John the Baptist, who is six months older than his cousin Jesus, leaps in the womb. And then you have the Magnificat, which I referred to earlier, a beautiful uh, prayer. And then you have the birth of John the Baptist and the Benedictus following that. But you have the birth of John the Baptist and he's going to be called John. Finally, we go to Matthew 1. And this is a great scripture, Matthew 1, 18 to 25. And he says, this is how the birth of Jesus came about. Now, if you've never read Luke chapter 1, the beginning of Luke chapter 2 is about his birth. And Matthew chapter 1, these are great scriptures to read about the birth of Christ. As I said earlier, Mark does not have a birth narrative and neither does John. So as we end the week, we have Christmas Day. We have Micah chapter 4 and 5 where there's the prophecy about Bethlehem. We have 1 John chapter 4 which is about love and about loving one another. And then finally, we have John 3, 31 to 36. The one that comes from above all is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks is from the earth. The one who comes from above is above all. Jesus is above everyone. Verse 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. So what is going to happen in fourth advent culminating with Christmas Day? is this extraordinary person is going to come into the world that's been prophesied in the Old Testament scriptures. And he is going to save us from our sins, Genesis chapter 3. And those that put their faith and trust in him, Galatians 3 and Philippians 2 and Titus, will be saved. I hope and pray that you have a wonderful Advent season and a wonderful Christmas Eve and Christmas Day with family and friends. God bless you abundantly as we continue to look at our daily lectionary and what God says through it. God bless you.